Today I'll be talking about three things. Money, COVID, and the LGBTQ. That's right, friends. Fiscal irresponsibility, status scientism, and the Rainbow Mafia. And the common thread? A woke, neo-Marxist, soft, totalitarian state, of course. It's important that we know just what's going on in our country and around the world and to neither bury our heads in the sand and avoid it nor spiral into a mess of depression and fear. It's a tough way, but we'll find it. Our federal and provincial governments continue to spend our tax dollars to fund all manner of corruption and wickedness, all in the name of equity, false justice and inclusivity. The scars of the COVID era run very deep, even to the core of us. People still suffer from the lawless, unscientific, and unjust mandates and restrictions. And the lingering consequences are far from behind us. And, like a well-trained relay team hands off the baton without a hitch, so our globalist overlords and their Canadian state lackeys are attempting to transition seamlessly from the COVID crisis to the climate crisis. I see the plays for what they are, and I'm not fooled by the theater, and neither should you be. The Spirit of God guides us in truth. He helps us discern the times. He strengthens us to storm the gates of hell and declare that Jesus is king over every square inch of this country and this world. It's July 27th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo, and this is Liberty Dispatch. <laughs> Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Our show is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with Christian Week. LCC exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand. Christian Week exists to provide a practical, balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. If you would like to support our podcasting work, and we would ask you to prayerfully consider doing so, please head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate, click on the Analysis Shows box, and then you could submit any donations there, whether it's a one-time donation or committing to supporting us monthly, and we would ask if you're able to, to do that so that we can have a consistent sense of what's coming in, we know what the funding situation looks like, so that we can best meet the needs of our audience and continue to do the work that we do. All the donations submitted there go directly to Christian Week and are eligible for a charitable receipt. If you are a business owner and you would like to advertise with us, if you would like to reach our audience and tap into a like-minded, freedom-geared segment of the Canadian population, then please email us, advertising at christianweek.org, and partner with us. We can discuss various options. We would love to support your business as you support the work that we do here and as we continue to reach an audience of Canadians that I'm sure would love to support any business that partners with us. You can find our shows on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network or by downloading the FLF app. That's flfnetwork.com. Or you can download the app on your Android or iPhones. You can reach out to us, as always, with any questions, comments, or criticism at mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm going to forego any mailbag questions until next week when Matt has completed his moving and he is settled. And I look forward to delving into some of the recent comments and questions we've had that have come into our mailbox. So again, mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. We would love to hear from you. And we've been telling you about our friends at Rockling for over a year now. But I bet you didn't know that over 200 families have transferred their assets away from woke financial institutions to Rocklink Investment Partners. This means that freedom-loving families across Canada have transferred millions of dollars away from the status quo and aligned their hard-earned money with a company that truly shares their values. Join the movement today. Email Rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them at www.rocklink.com. That's link with a C. So we want to we want to take some time 
in today's episode, and I wanted to unpack the common thread of the woke neo-Marxist soft totalitarian state in various ways as it's trying to not only gain more power, more control, and through the distribution of wealth, we see corruption, we see the advancing of various agendas and narratives, and we're going to see this playing out in a number of different ways. And the first way that we're going to see this is we're going to see what I'm calling state fiscal irresponsibility. And a few different stories highlight that they basically are taking our hard-earned tax dollars and they are funding people that are actively working against our freedom and destroying the very fabric of Canadian and Western culture. So I want to look first at Alberta Health Services, AHS. They were responsible for the arrests of, of men like Tim Stevens and James Coates for keeping their churches open. They used taxpayer money to hire a private security company. This was particularly egregious to seize Grace Life Church in Edmonton and erect not one, but two chain link fences around the perimeter. They essentially function like tyrants, and many of those who work for AHS shouldn't be allowed to organize a first aid kit, let alone a provincial health care system. So as it turns out, many of them were fired. That's good, but not without being given even more of your hard-earned Albertan tax dollars for those of you who are out west. This comes to us from Rebel News. Quote, according to the Alberta government's salary and severance disclosure database and the Sunshine List for Alberta Health Services, former AHS CEO and President Dr. Verna Yu received $660,000 in severance pay, the highest among 23 executives and other advisors also let go. Last year, those fired from the Provincial Health Authority pocketed $3.62 million, doubling the $1.62 million severance paid to the 11 AHS employees who left in 2021, so twice as much money in severance to AHS employees in 2022 over 2021. That money, by the way, comes from your tax dollars. The article continues. Former Alberta Chief Medical Officer Dina Hinshaw faced tremendous pushback during her tenure, rightfully so, specifically for implementing COVID health restrictions during the pandemic, which were awful. In 2021, she made headlines after receiving $363,633.92 in salary and $227,911.35 in cash benefits. If you're doing the math, you're looking at over a half a million dollars. According to the government's public sole source service contracts database, Taxpayers paid $261,600 for Hinshaw's private security in 2021 and 2022. You know, the same people that want to take your guns away need to have your money that funds their private security, who obviously carries all sorts of weapons, probably unavailable to the average civilian. Continues, by ending her contractual agreement last October, before the contractual end date of January 2024, Her untimely firing entailed her over $181,000 in total severance pay. The former medical officer earned a $323,074 salary last year, plus the cash benefits of $118,558. That's unbelievable. I mean, between the severance and the cash benefits, you're you're almost at three quarters of a million dollars. And Dr. Dina Hinshaw was one of the ones responsible for the closing of businesses, the crushing of small businesses, the closure of churches, the arrests of pastors. I mean, just unbelievable stuff that this is being funded by taxpayer dollars. But this is what this is what tyrants will do. This is what those at the tippy top of the socialist system will do. They will feign. It's for the good of everyone. It's for equality. It's because we love you. It's because we care about you. When in reality, their own pockets are being fleeced. 
and all at your expense. So in other wasteful spending news, the RCMP will be spending $15 million to study how it has supposedly been systemically racist. That's that's right. You you heard that correctly. It will be collecting, quote, race-based data to see how systemically racist it has supposedly been toward minorities. The $15,200,000 in funding is promised until March 31st, 2027, right when the budget is supposed to balance itself. Of course, it all makes sense. That's the time. Let's spend all this money until that time, and then the budget will balance itself. I can see what they're doing here. It makes sense to me. This is why our federal government believes that this funding and this project are justified by the way. This is RCMP spokeswoman Corporal Kim Chamberlain said this in an emailed statement, quote, Race-based data collection is a priority modernization initiative for the RCMP. The collection of this information is imperative to understanding the experience of indigenous, black, and racialized individuals and communities during their interactions with the RCMP. I'll note here, by the way, that as it pertains to COVID-related arrests, to the best of my understanding, it was only a bunch of straight white Christian males. I'm just saying here, we're, we're talking about the fact that the RCMP has been really brutal against black racialized individuals, according to the RCMP here. And yet, if we're looking at the people who kind of top the list of arrests and fines, it's usually the straight white male, interestingly enough. But that's not mentioned here. That group of people isn't mentioned in this RCMP initiative, even though they were probably the most brutally treated by the RCMP. Nevertheless, continuing... The information is not used to single out individual members based on their interactions, but to identify and address systemic issues that may exist between the RCMP and the communities we serve. Again, primarily, it seems that it's the white, straight, male community that was the most oppressed by a tyrannical state and a police state in the last number of years. Continuing, according to Corporal Chamberlain, quote, it involves investments in people, technology, and tools to make sure we get it right, learn and improve, and involve communities, members, stakeholders, and partners along the way. Data collected will encompass police interactions with the public to, quote, identify trends and patterns of disparities and disproportionalities for indigenous, black, and other racialized peoples, close quote. This is all a big waste of money. This is all a big waste of taxpayer money, all of it from top to bottom. The fact that these medical tyrants, these bureaucrats who put measures into place, restrictions and mandates that crushed the economy, crippled small businesses, shut down churches, are the cause for the increase of suicides and domestic abuse and substance abuse and overdosing. The fact that these people would be given hundreds of thousands of dollars in severance money when what should actually happen is that they should be put on trial and if found guilty should suffer the consequences for their crimes because they indeed committed crimes against the Canadian people through their lying, their deception, their negligence, through their power grab, through the clear dismissal of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So instead of being fined and arrested, they're given lots and lots of our money. And again, this RCMP business is also a joke because we can see, just, just look at all the videos. Who, who are the people who are being arrested, who are being accosted? Who are the people that were pushed around and beaten and arrested in Ottawa? It wasn't primarily this, this you know black and indigenous and racialized people groups it wasn't like you had police officers that were hunting down black people in the streets of Ottawa. It's utter nonsense. But this is what the tyrants will do. This is what a corrupt state will do. They will create larger bureaucracies, create more programs in order to spend more money because you need to hire more people to actually sustain these programs. So more of your money, more resources that are crippling and that negatively affect us. And this is the fiscal irresponsibility of the state. And it is a mark of this soft totalitarian regime that we have here 
in Canada. Are you a charity in Canada, such as a local church, and you want to steward the resources in your care better? What if there is a way to get the goods and services you needed at a fraction of the cost? Well, now you can. The Barter Paid Forward Foundation is a registered charity that provides new, innovative funding to charities across Canada by aggregating donations from the Barter Pay business community. Sign up your registered charity and you will be able to acquire goods and services from the Barter Pay system and Barter Pay will cover 75 to 85 percent of the cost. You're only paying 15 percent of the total cost of the goods or services from the Barter Pay system. Every charity is assigned their own barter coach, a real person who helps you get what you need. We actually have a barter coach as well. He's a wonderful guy in Toronto. One of the very few things that are good about Toronto. Never mind. Head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter and click on Barter Pay for Charities. Get started today to help reduce administration and overhead costs and make your charity more impactful. LibertyCoalitionCanada.com slash barter, and you're going to want to click on that right image, which is Barter Pay It Forward Foundation for Charities. Now, every day that passes is another day that my tinfoil crown grows more glorious and is decorated with lovely jewels. In short, the experts were telling us to do and believe the opposite of what has been true, what has been proven to be true and factual. The legacy media gave them cover and became essentially a state-funded propaganda organization. Our deeply held concerns have all become reality, and yet, as we'll see very shortly, they want to triple down and not let this narrative get away. They're not ready to let it go just yet. Let's talk about jabs, just you know, because we're not on YouTube anymore. This is from the Epic Times. Quote, as a result of successful Freedom of Information Act litigation against the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, conservative public interest advocacy group defending the republic recently announced it had obtained and is releasing nearly 15,000 pages of documents relating to testing and adverse events associated with SpikeVax, Moderna's COVID-19 injection. The studies reveal the causes of deaths, serious adverse events, and instances of neurological disorders potentially associated with spike vax. One of the key takeaways from the documents is that many of those who died after receiving the Moderna shot were not given an autopsy. Curious. According to one study, 16 individuals died after being administered the Moderna shot. The study's authors indicated that out of those 16 deaths, only two autopsies were performed. Five of the dead were not autopsied, and an autopsy status of nine of the dead were unknown, DTR said in a statement. Yet, this did not stop those running those studies from concluding, despite the absence of evidence, that the Moderna vaccine was not related to those deaths, the group added. We've seen this before. We've seen this play Everyone's dying. Everyone's falling over. Blood clots, heart attacks. What could it be? I don't know. It's certainly not the jab, though. That's what we know for sure. We, we've seen this play before. It's not the jab. All those doctors in Canada that are falling over, all those young, otherwise healthy doctors that are triathletes and bicyclists and swimmers and dancers that like running, they're playing sports, right? They're very active, cardio-intensive activities. All these doctors that are dying suddenly, we don't know what it is. It's not the jab, though. It's certainly not that. We don't know what it is. That's the audacity of Moderna. Article continues. As an example, the group gave the case of a 56-year-old woman who experienced sudden death 182 days after receiving the second dose of the Moderna vaccine. The cause of death was unknown. No autopsy was conducted. It seems they purposely decided not to investigate suspicious deaths in case the Moderna vaccine might be the cause, the group stated. There were also numerous examples in the clinical trial data of participants diagnosed with post-vaccination Bell's palsy and shingles, with numerous vaccinated trial participants seeing the onset of shingles less than 10 days after getting the shot. 
The studies also showed that there were a number of serious adverse events noted in the vaccinated groups, with a number of participants experiencing heart attacks, pulmonary, sorry, pulmonary embolisms, and spontaneous miscarriages. Now, we want to, so here's what we know about the Moderna vaccine. You don't have autopsies done, and yet we see all these instances of adverse reactions and deaths, high rates of these adverse reactions coming after the jab. Now, this also comes from the Epic Times, and the connection between these two is pretty, pretty alarming. Earlier this month, a massive vaccine study was published in a medical journal, only to be censored 24 hours later. The study in question was conducted by nine medical researchers and was titled, quote, a systematic review of autopsy findings in deaths after COVID-19 vaccination. Interesting. They're specifically looking at autopsy findings to see about deaths after you receive the COVID-19 injection. And wouldn't you know that the study is pulled? And also wouldn't you know that they're not doing autopsies on people who die in the studies after receiving the injection. Maybe it's just a coincidence, or maybe I just added another ruby to my tinfoil crown. Probably the second. The article continues. This particular study was a systematic review of many different autopsies of people who died following vaccination. On July 5th, this study was published on the Lancet Medical Journal's preprint server to get peer-reviewed. And according to Dr. Peter McCullough, who was the lead researcher, friend of the show, despite the fact that this study was experiencing hundreds of reviews per minute, the Lancet Medical Journal decided to pull it down. What did the study find? Good question. Here are the findings. The most implicated organ system in COVID-19 vaccine-associated death was the cardiovascular system, 53%, followed by the hematological system, 17%, the respiratory system at 8%, and multiple organ systems at 7%. Three or more organ systems were affected in 21 cases. The mean time from vaccination to death was 14.3 days, two weeks. Most deaths occurred within a week from the last vaccine administration. A total of 240 deaths at 73.9% were independently adjudicated as directly due to or significantly contributed to by COVID-19 vaccination. Here's the interpretation from the study. The consistency seen among cases in this review with known COVID-19 vaccine adverse events their mechanisms and related excess death, coupled with autopsy confirmation and physician-led death adjudication, suggests that there is a high likelihood of a causal link between COVID-19 vaccines and death in most cases. Further urgent investigation is required for the purpose of clarifying our findings. So you have a study that's looking at the cause of death after COVID-19 injection and autopsies, pulled down. You have Moderna not doing autopsies on people in their study. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Glenn Jung from Bright Light News, another friend of the show, he recently interviewed Professor Theo Shedders from the Netherlands. Now, essentially, in the Netherlands... COVID deaths seem to have lowered and leveled off in 2022. However, with both injection campaigns in 2022, the spike in excess deaths comes right after the spike in the COVID experimental gene therapy injections. I'll let Professor Shedders explain it. And in this video, there are some really good graphs as well. So if you're listening, you'll hear what he's saying. But if you're watching... You'll be actually you actually be able to see on the graph the points where when you have the big push for the injections and the numbers go up, you will see a spike in excess deaths. But what you will not see is a spike in COVID deaths that remain that remains fairly low and level. Okay, and then 
you have to realize that in 2022, the Dutch government uh, launched two vaccination campaigns. And what we have found is that exactly with those vaccination campaigns, there's an increase in the weekly mortality in the Netherlands. So no matter what cause, eh? so just in the Netherlands on average, something like 3000 people uh, die per week. And as soon as you start vaccinating, you see they're going up to 3,200. And it goes up when the number of vaccinations given goes up, goes down when they stop vaccinating. So they did it in spring. And then uh, in autumn, they did it again. And again, we saw this correlation between an increase in all-cause mortality in the Netherlands uh, as soon as they started vaccinating. So... I think for, for, for us, there is clear evidence that it is now highly likely that this is indeed caused by vaccination. Now, that is an astounding bit of information from Professor, Professor Shedders regarding the spike in excess deaths around the spike in vaccinations and injections and the campaign for it, but not in COVID deaths. That's unbelievable. And yet... Despite all of this data regarding the COVID injections, our federal government still wants to use proof of having received these injections as part of a vaccine passport system in Canada. This isn't just something I'm pulling out of my hat here. Blacklock's reporter attained a Department of Health memo, which reads as follows, and we'll have a picture of a po the portion of the memo for you to see as well, but we'll read it out. Funding will allow the Public Health Agency of Canada to provide continued proof of vaccination policy and program support to provinces and territories and support in addressing fraudulent proof of vaccinations. This was not from 2021, by the way. This is very recently from the Department of Health. The purpose of this funding is to ensure the continued provision of the Canadian COVID-19 proof of vaccination credentials as both a health record and to facilitate mobility in the context of international travel, as well as support the application of public health measures as needed going forward. And if you're wondering the length of time involved in this budgeting, well, the federal cabinet has budgeted millions of dollars for a proof of injection passport program through to 2026. There you have it. For the next couple of years, funding will be there so that the Public Health Agency of Canada can, can continue to have a proof of vaccination policy, can continue to require these proof of vaccination credentials having a lot to do with international travel. And I'm sure they could make the case for intra, sorry, inter-provincial travel as well. Everything we know, everything we know about the jabs, about what they do, about the adverse reactions, everything we know. Recently, Matt and I in our shows, we have talked about the actual numbers, the infection fatality rate. We looked at a study that looked at 20,000 randomized controlled trials and found that the infection fatality rate of COVID for anyone under the age of 70 is a nothing burger. For people, only for people who are 60, is it like a moderate flu season? But for anyone under the age of 60, especially under 40, it's basically zero. It's like zero point, for zero, zero to 19 years old, it's 0.0003% infection fatality rate. So we know that now. We know that it's not as deadly as everyone was saying it was, and many people have known that from the beginning as well. We know that masks don't work. We know the jabs don't work. They don't stop transmission. We know that hospitals were full at 80 to 85% of people with COVID in the ICUs, and those people were fully jabbed. We know this. We know that it wasn't tested to stop transmission. We know about the adverse effects and adverse reactions. We see the studies we just covered and the studies about the autopsy findings. We know all this, and yet they're doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on we need proof of vaccination programs. We need to continue to see people get these shots. Now, the good news is it seems like less and less people are doing it. I was reading an article just earlier today 
that only a small percentage of Ontarians got their COVID booster recently, which is great. And I think it's in part because they've kind of toned down some of the pressure. I think if they ramp it up again and if they start to take away certain privileges and comforts, people would be inclined to do whatever they needed to do. But more and more people at least are seeing this for what it is. Now, whether or not they'll bend when forced, that's a different story. And I'm pretty sure we're going to find out soon enough, especially as we move into climate alarmism as the COVID stuff kind of ramps down. But you need to understand, you got to see what's going on here. Despite everything we know to be true, you still have our elected officials spending money and creating bureaucracies to deal with a problem that doesn't exist. And for what end? I mean, we can speculate. There's still money to be made. There's still control and power to be gained. There's still fear and anxiety to build into the hearts of people because a fearful population will be a compliant population. They're still trying to prime the pump for this climate alarmism. All these things are going on. We need to understand what's happening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of wait till the end of this episode to talk about a little bit of application and what to do now. But we, at the very least, we need to see what's going on. We need to understand it if we're going to assess it properly. If you feel that big government and banks are too involved in your finances, Bitcoin is a solution for you. Bitcoin is the antithesis of central bank digital currencies or CBDCs. It is decentralized digital cash that puts you in full control of your money. With Bitcoin, you don't have to worry about government interference or banks censoring you in any way. As a freedom advocate, you know the importance of individual liberty and responsibility. Bitcoin is the ultimate expression of those values, enabling you to take control of your financial destiny and make transactions that align with your beliefs. So, whether you're an experienced Bitcoiner or just getting started, Bull Bitcoin is the perfect place to buy and sell Bitcoin. Don't wait any longer to take control of your money. Sign up today at mission.bullbitcoin.com LCC and don't hesitate to contact their human support for any assistance from the get-go. mission.bullbitcoin.com LCC. As I've already hinted to, as the COVID era winds down and it looks like it'll be the next couple of years as things kind of wrap up, we can be sure that the climate crisis cult will be ready to carry the torch of public health tyranny. Now, this story that I'm about to reference is from the New York Times, which frankly is as much a news organization as my kids' Pokemon books, which is fitting because the story seems like a parody you would see on SNL, which you don't watch anymore because it's a hot mess of woke garbage. But if you did... This story seems like something you would see on that or you would hear about that. And I can just imagine the kind of PSAs, the public service announcements, or those kind of 2 a.m. infomercials regarding this. So this is the title of the New York Times, a supposed news organization piece. For Europe's older population, heat is the new COVID. Scorching temperatures have threatened the health of the elderly and pushed them inside while governments are trying to take extraordinary steps to protect them. That was in the New York Times. COVID, sorry, heat is the new COVID. They're, they're telling us they're trying to connect it. They're, 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 show, they're tipping their hand. They're saying, yeah, COVID was bad, but this is really bad. This is a really bad thing. Even the same thing. They are taking extraordinary steps to protect them. That's what they said about COVID. Elder, the health of elderly, it's pushed them inside. That's what they did with COVID. They kept us inside because it was unsafe to be outside because of COVID. But now it's really unsafe to be outside because of warmness. So let's, let's read from the article here. I apologize if in, upon hearing this you want to smash your head against the wall we need to understand what's going on. So, the successive heat waves that have scorched Italy and the rest of Southern Europe over the past week have forced those who can afford it to seek shelter in air-conditioned homes and offices or at seaside retreats. But for many seniors, heat has become the new COVID. 
the searing temperatures have settled over the continent like another indiscriminate plague, reinforcing the isolation of many older people and the threats to their health and pushing governments and social services to take extraordinary steps to try to protect them. Same play here. You got to see the same play. This is another indiscriminate plague. It's not a plague. It's heat. It's warmth. Isolation. Oh, gotta be, they're, they're all alone, and they should be, to be safe indoors. It's a threat to their health. Extraordinary steps to do whatever it is to protect them. The article continues, while the hardships and isolation of the most vulnerable in many ways echo the fight against COVID, the pandemic also left some good practices in place, including visiting and treating people in their homes, health officials said. A 2022 law passed by the government of the former prime minister, Mario Draghi, pushed for better coordination between health services and telemedicine. Italian health authorities are working to have one digital platform with updated patient information that visiting nurses, doctors, and emergency services and hospitals can access. So digital ID, a digital ID that's centralized with all of your personal, private, medical, and health information because it's needed. Because climate change, that's the real health threat. That is the existential threat to our existence. So in case you missed what I just read, by the way, climate change is the health crisis worse than COVID and all of the measures in the systems that were put into place during COVID can and should be leveraged to combat this new plague, climate change. That could mean rations with gasoline, air conditioning. It could mean more and more surveillance to make sure you're not driving too far or spending too much time outdoors when it's really, really hot or other draconian measures, whatever it takes to save every single person from heat. That's what they're saying. No, can't lose a single life to COVID. Now we really can't lose a single life to heat. Whatever we need to do to save people from heat, we will do. And of course, you can't talk about climate change tyranny without mentioning supranational organizations fixed on remaking the world according to their globalist Marxist utopia. Now, this comes to us from Zero Hedge. At the end of June, government leaders and think tank power brokers from around the world met at the summit for a new global financing pact in Paris. The supposed purpose of the summit was to find financial solutions to the goals of tackling poverty while simultaneously curbing planet heating emissions. Globalists are now combining the climate change issue with international finance and monetary authority. In other words, they aren't hiding the fact that the climate change agenda is part of the Great Reset agenda anymore. They're even suggesting that the threat of climate change be used as a springboard for giving global banks more power to dictate the circulation of wealth, and for deconstructing the existing system so it can be replaced with something else. French President Emmanuel Macron told delegates at the Paris summit that, quote, the world needs a public finance shock, close quote, to fight global warming while also creating equity for less wealthy nations. A public finance shock. He also argued that the current system was not well suited to address the world's challenges, right? Individual countries can't handle their own countries. We need this globalist system to police and help us all and keep us all safe. Leaders attending the summit include Barbados Prime Minister Mia Motley, who has become a powerful advocate for reimagining the role of the World Bank and International Monetary Fund in an era of climate crisis. Quote, what is required of us now is absolute transformation and not reform of our institutions, said Motley, whose country has put forward a detailed plan for how to fix the global financial system to help developing countries invest in clean energy and boost resilience to climate impacts or yeah, to climate impacts. Yeah, this idea of it's not about not about reforming. 
No, it's and not even transformation. It's revolution. That's what they're after. Revolution. Tear down what exists and put something new in its place, something globalist in its place. Quote, we come to Paris to identify the common humanity that we share and the absolute moral imperative to save our planet, to make it livable, she said. Well, there you have it. There is the evidence of this woke Marxist globalist tyranny that is creeping, obviously, into every part of the world and every country in the world. And we see it exemplified here in Canada that this status scientist, woke Marxist agenda, this globalist agenda, it, it means more power, more control, more wealth for the elites, the bureaucrats, the technocrats, the state and the unelected health establishment and it, that we fund, funded by taxpayer dollars. So that they can fire their own people and then pay them large severance packages. So that they continue to fund a vaccine passport system which will limit our freedoms. Which will continue to impose their totalitarian rules and regulations. That they're going to keep pushing the jabs knowing the damage they do. Knowing how ineffective they are. This is what's going on in our country. And so we, we take this information and we come to this point of the episode where we ask, okay, so what do we do? I mean, that seems bleak and depressing. It seems like there's a lot to be worried about. There's a lot to be fearful of. And for people whose only hope and only focus is what's happening in the physical realm and who are only thinking about things from a material perspective, then perhaps, yeah, I could see how hopelessness and despair would kind of wash over them. But the truth is, for those of us who are in Christ, this is not our operation. We understand that this is not the first time that kings and emperors and rulers have become tyrants, have desired to crush and harm the people, that have set their sights upon the church, upon the bride of Christ. And what we know when we look at history is, despite all of these attempts... At the end of the day, kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, empires come into power, and empires crumble, and it is always the kingdom of God that stands. It is the church of Christ that prevails and that will not be snuffed out. And so we have great reason for hope. We have great reason for hope. One of the things that I've seen in the last number of years is the more and more this tyranny, the more and more this fear is pushed on people— one of the things it does is it makes them increasingly aware of the spiritual reality around them. When they're thinking about death and suffering and evil like never before, they have to recognize the spiritual reality going on around us. That it's not just about the material world. And that has afforded us a tremendous opportunity to actually bring the good news to people. To say to them, yeah, there is the reality of evil. And yes, death is real and coming for all of us. And so we can call them to turn from their sins, to trust in Christ, who can remind them, as it says in the scriptures, it is appointed once that a man should die, and then after that, judgment. And so God has given us, in spite of our failures as a Western church, incredible opportunities and a wide-open door to share the gospel with people. So there's much fruit that can be born out of this because people have been made more afraid and more worried, and because they've had their eyes open to the real depth of evil that exists in all the high places and really in all manner of state, government, elected officials, bureaucracies, really just top to bottom, the way people are so quick to turn on one another in the last number of years. So we have an incredible opportunity to do good ministry and to obey Christ and hopefully draw more people to him. So that's the first thing I want to say is don't don't squander this opportunity. Right? We're not afraid because we know who is in charge, we know who runs the universe, we know what happens after we die. So we don't have to be afraid, but for those who are afraid, we can bring them the good news of the gospel and the hope that they can have eternal life in Christ and even though they should suffer and even though they will die at some point, they do not have to fear what comes after death if they are to be found in Christ. That's the first thing. The second thing is this 
I know this is broken record stuff. There's nothing revolutionary. It's not as if there's going to be this totally brand new, like, hey, I've been holding out on you. But here's the real key to how it is that we need to engage in the next little bit. And one of the most important things you can do is primarily not where you are, but with whom you are. That's one of the most important things to consider. And so as we see the climate cult, the climate crisis cult, the climate alarmism ramp up, we're going to see an increase in a tamping down on rights and freedoms and mandates and restrictions and all manner of socialist totalitarianism. So what's important is that you are not just some lone wolf, that you're not out there on your own thinking, we'll be fine, we'll be able to take care of our family, it's okay, we'll get through it. The importance of connecting with digging deep in a like-minded community. I mean, it's always been incredibly important that God has made us not only as social beings, but to exist in communities of believers for our protection, our growth, our sanctification. So it's always been important. It's never not been important to be a part of a good Christian community. But especially with what we've seen in the last number of years, I mean, I would one could make a case that in the history of our country, it's never been more important or more essential that we find ourselves in a like-minded community of solid brothers and sisters in Christ who are understanding the reality of what's going on, who are prepared to care for one another, support one another, provide for one another, who are engaged in the business of starting businesses, building new institutions, creating good and beautiful things that will last. This is an important thing. Who have their eyes open to the reality of what's happening, not only in the spiritual realm, but who know what's happening in, with, with regard to the economy or food production. Who are thinking about who privacy and security with regard to surveillance and digital platforms. Like These are all important things. Who see the importance of how we can be able to meet the needs of one another in a kind of healthcare-related setting. It is imperative that you find yourself in a community that is like-minded and thinking these ways. Elders and pastors who maybe they're not running for politics, maybe they don't have vegetable gardens in their backyards, but they understand what's happening and they lead their people in that way. So I want to encourage you, if you are not, you need to find and connect with and dig your roots deep in this kind of community. And if you're wondering, well, where are those? I, I don't have that around me. Right, My church shut down during COVID. They've never repented. They think everything's back to normal. Everything's fine, which is a lie. We're not back to quote-unquote normal. Everything isn't fine. Look at the stories we've just covered. They want to have a vaccine passport program until 2026. They want to keep pushing the jabs, knowing they're killing us. They're wasting money, crushing and crippling our economies and hurting small businesses at taxpayer expense and jacking up the price of everything. There's no normal it's not like everything is just wonderful. No, I mean, it's, it hasn't been always, but we see it now. So you don't want to find yourself surrounded by people who have their heads buried in the sand, who are not understanding what's going on. There needs to be an understanding of what's actually happening in the broader culture. You need to find those people. You need to dig deep. You need to build and fight and prepare to thrive in the years and decades ahead because we find ourselves as uh, our friend Aaron Rock has said often uh, in the midst of a multi-generational culture war that the Lord could be merciful and and bring about a a massive wholesale repentance and reformation top to bottom that is his prerogative if i'm looking at what's happening minus that kind of divine intervention it looks like things are going to get darker and harder for a while before they get better. And so we need to find ourselves ready to work the hard soil and build beautiful things with like-minded Christians in the days ahead so that we are appropriately protected and provided for and that we can find ourselves thriving with other believers. It is so essential. It is so it's like I said, it probably hasn't been more important than it is right now that Christians take this seriously, that that means if they have to move, they move, 
If they have to relocate and change churches, they do that. If they have to rethink their job and what that means in order to take care of their family and find themselves best positioned for the years ahead, then I would encourage you, please do that. And if you have any questions, you need any help with that, you can always reach me, churches at libertycoalitioncanada.com. I will help you. I'll point you in the right direction and aid you in trying to find that kind of community to do what is necessary so that you might be able to be ready for the days and the years and the decades ahead. And we're not afraid. We're not afraid. We don't lose hope. I say this sincerely. I mean, I, I have my nose in the news every day. I'm reading articles. I'm listening to... I'm watching videos. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm consuming a lot of news. And it's just a lot of darkness and a lot of dirt. And I know a lot of people just don't have the stomach for it. But I'm doing that every day for study and research to be informed and to to bring you guys a Christian world and life view perspective on what's happening. And I am not afraid. I'm not worried. I'm not fearful. I'm not anxious for the future. Because again, I know... I know who's in sovereign rule over the universe. I know who's king. I know the scriptures say that the waters lift up, the waters lift up their voices, the waters lift up their roaring, but mightier than the roaring of the waters, the Lord on high is mighty, and he has strength as his belt. He rules over the world. This is what the scriptures tell us. And so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be worried. We know who's in control. We know that his plans and purposes will come to pass. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean we may not suffer. It doesn't mean that there won't be hardship and persecution. But it does mean, and we can be sure of this, that he will always work all things for his glory and for the good of his people, that he is in the business of building his church, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against the offensive storming of those gates by the church and people have tried for thousands of years to snuff out the church and snuff out the scriptures and they've all failed and every empire that has done so has failed because it is the power of the spirit of God that drives the church and that gives us the strength that we need to persevere to be faithful and if the Lord is on our side then who can be against us so be encouraged by this in the midst of what's happening but don't you know, like I said at the beginning, don't be ignorant. Don't just put your head in the sand and think everything's okay, everything's fine. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. Understand what's happening. Understand the play. Understand what it is that they're doing and how it is that this globalist agenda is coming. And we need to be prepared and we need to have faith and joy and trust the Lord. I do. I hope you do as well. As we say at the end of every episode... Galatians 5.1. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com.